Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. I'm your guy, Zach. You can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. You can find our uh, podcast network at Barn Podcast and this specific show at Backdoor Cut Show on Twitter. Today, the Chief and I will break down all the exciting news that happened at Grizzlies Media Day and continue speculating about this season as it draws oh so close. Once again, thanks for listening. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, and we are eking ever closer to actual basketball games. Today was kind of the the first semblance of communication with our actual uh, basketball team. It was media day for the NBA, so a lot of conversations happened down at the forum. Uh, we've got the Chief and the Bro here today. Uh, Chief, how you doing? What's up, man? This is Sam. This is the Chief. And man, I just feel like I bumped a line of Grizzlies cocaine. I'm feeling good. I watched the whole media day today at work, and I just felt empowered. I felt I felt energized. I felt like I was a part of this team. I felt like I need to be hanging out with them as soon as possible, wherever that may be. Most of them are under 21, so like uh, Incredible Pizza or Chuck E. Cheese. I don't really know where those kids hang out. We're going to figure that out. Uh, it's an exciting time, and it was exciting to finally see the team be put together, see them around each other, and uh, and see that supposed chemistry they've been building all summer um, kind of foster itself publicly in front of the uh, in front of the the public eye. Um, yeah, you it sounds like a lot of the guys they haven't like played together yet, but they've definitely been hanging out and talking. We're still nursing some of the injuries, and I'm sure we'll cover that. But you know, it'll be interesting to see like when they actually get on the floor. Yeah, and then. Real practice starts in earnest tomorrow, uh, so that you know they'll get a sense of what it's like when they're playing w- against each other, 
Uh, and of course, they played some pickup. I think a bunch of the guys have played pickup, you know, in LA or wherever they all go over the summer. So some of the guys have played together. But um, and we'll get into kind of some of the jokes that were made about some of the pickup games later. But let's start with. I mean, we we have kind of the overarching theme of the season, and that is not really a rebuild. It's more like a um, a development. You know, a season of development. Uh, I, I think the rebuilds in theory pass because we have our what we hope is going to be our kind of two franchise cornerstones already. So we've done the tank, however artful you want to call it. Uh, and now we have the guys we need to develop, but the Vegas, uh, the wise guys over down there in, in Nevada have a set at a win total set the over under at 26 and a half. Um, and as Zach Kleiman and uh, uh, Jeff Calkins said today, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's liberating because uh, it doesn't set expectations. This is quite literally an expectation on behalf of a bunch of intelligent analysts over there. Um, so this season we know is not going to be one that's, that's made in the playoffs. It's not going to be one that's made in wins or losses. We know this is going to be a season where we're going to be able to watch, as a basketball city, the young guys develop and get better. So there's going to be no more piecemealing together a roster that we hope is going to win 50 games and scrounge into the playoffs just to get beat by you know, the Warriors or you know, insert, insert whatever good Western team always defeated the Grizzlies in the past. Um, this is a season of development. So that was nice to see. What do you think about that over-under? I mean, at, at, at a 10,000-foot view, how do you feel our season breaking down? I think that – I mean, I'm going to go under this year on that. I don't think – I, I want to be optimistic and think, like, yeah, it's going to – like, we'll figure some things out. Get some. We could get some wins towards the end of the season that we're not supposed to get, you know, depending how well we mesh, who's doing load management, that type of stuff. But – it could get pretty – it could be ugly to start. I think that, you know, we're very excited about John and Jaron, obviously, but we still need to be realistic. And from the beginning, it could be very ugly. Like, I could see us winning, like, you know, going on some, like, five to ten game losing streaks, you know, just depending. Because we're going to be so reliant on 19- and 20-year-old guys, you know? Yeah. So, there's just – and that's a lot of more minutes than they're used to playing. Even if you look at Jaron, I mean, how long has it been since he's actually played like NBA basketball? Because he didn't play the end of last season. So I would expect the beginning to be pretty tough. Jaw coming off an injury. You know, Anderson, talked about him in a minute. He's not going to be doing well or not going to be at 100% when he comes back. Jaron coming off an injury. So I would expect like, the first like month or two is probably going to be pretty rough and put us behind the eight ball. So I think that in that like mid twenties win range is probably pretty realistic. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the team's banged up, like you like you pointed out, and and I think it's the low key element here, which I feel like a lot of people talk about how this team might play pretty well. It's got some talent on it. It's got some pieces that seemingly would fit together. It's got an interesting combination of true rookies and vets too. Um, and I like the guys, you know, I want to think they're going to be good and and they might all very well play pretty well, but I think the low key element here is it's really hard to win NBA basketball games. Like, I mean, it's not a, you can have good players. You can have like Jock could have a 30 point night. Jaren could have a 30 point night, but you got to put together the stops and then you got to, you know, put like 90 to hundred points on the board in order to win an NBA basketball game uh, on any given night because of the kind of talent you're facing night in, night out. So while we might play well for three quarters, young team like this, you know, fourth quarter could could have a breakdown. They could have a situation where, you know, another a more veteran team just kind of figures them out and just, you know, does all the little things that you learn as you play as your years in the league. So I think, I think you know, we, we might have a lot of games where we play three quarters of winning basketball and then drop the ball at the end. 
Like, I, I think that we'll see a lot of that. And it won't be a situation where we're just bad, bad. But we'll just lose a lot of games because that's just how it works. Um, but, you know, it's moving into kind of the environment that the front office wants to foster, Zach Kleiman, 31-year-old uh, exec wonder kid, defines success as are we getting better? Are we competing? Are we taking steps in the right direction? I think that's a good summation of kind of the development philosophy that the front office um, wants to put in place this year. They've also hired a head coach that they're going to give time. You know, we, we've seen in the past where these guys are in yeah, shotgun. Yeah, short leash. Right. You know, you're in like a hot seat from the get-go. Uh, you're behind the eight ball, as you said, and, and there's no that's no way to do your job. You know, you got to have some trust put in you by your bosses, by the leadership of the company. Uh, and so I think we're finally seeing that. I think Jenkins gets at least three years, I think, you know, to kind of put his imprint on the team and, and sort of start to develop at least three. You know, I'm thinking more along the lines of five. Uh, you know, kind of like Brett Brown at the 76ers, the process. Uh, you know, he was he was pretty terrible initially. Um, of course, his roster was terrible, and then yeah. now he's coaching, you know, perennial championship contender out of the East. Um, so that's that's kind of the trajectory I see it tracking. But we'll see. Now, what do you think about the new style that, that Jenkins might implement uh, under his his realm? Yeah, so he, he came out, and things have been alluded to that he's going to pay play a much faster, up-tempo, modern style, shooting a lot of threes. I mean, he did just come from coaching with Budenholzer, who – was with the Bucks and transformed Brooke Lopez into Splash Mountain. Like, dude, never shot threes. And then this year he was like, well, I don't know. He might have had the – I think he had the most attempts on their team and they had one of the highest attempts in the league. So he, he clearly understands, like, the modern NBA. And that's going to be super weird to see, honestly. Because I don't know how many times I've sat at the forum and just had, like, absolute slugfests uh, between us and the other team. You know, slow-paced – you can kind of like zone out almost in a lot of those games. You could just like have a conversation. You look up and you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're at a basketball game. We're not winning. Nothing's like really happening. No, there's nothing to keep your attention. But I think that this style, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to watch. And I'm really hoping that Jaron, it, it opens things up for Jaron to be able to play, you know, like get the ball on the perimeter, you know, facing the face of the goal and see what he can do. I still like. I'll die on that hill that I think that that's where he's going to really add his value. I think if you look at most of the seven footers in the league, not maybe not most, but like the upper end of like the best players in the league, obviously it's really too early to say that he will ever become that, but your people like Giannis Durant, you know, Embiid even they, they play a lot away from the goal facing up and that's how they get their buckets. And he's long athletic guy. So I really think he can do a lot of damage there. And we saw that a little bit last year, but not too much. He still played too much on the block for my liking. Yeah, I think it's a situation where the the offense is sort of a deal where they initially look for the the big man, you know, in the first five seconds of the possession and then and then start to play just pick and roll basketball, you know, read and react, sort of like kick out, shoot a lot of threes, try to get to the rim, like the rocket style offense and that that you know the last 18 17 seconds so I, I don't know where they'll ultimately play jaron i do know the starters seem to be at this point for sure uh john jaron and uh jonas valentunas so those seem to be solidified so our wing positions are very fluid at this point it's going to be kind of a fit thing it's going to be kind of who's playing well and and who earns their stripes uh, which is you know a good way to go about it but i do like to hear the jaw is probably going to be a starter over tyus Mm -hmm. We're going to prioritize development over probably a more a, a better point guard right now. Uh, Tyus probably is, so that's good to see. Uh, one thing I didn't understand was that 
Dylan Brooks said that uh, that Taylor Jenkins saying is let the bleep bleep fly. Is that a like supposed to be a stand-in for the cuss word, or does he literally call a basketball a bleep bleep? <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I saw yeah. that in the outline. Well, I read what that, in, that uh, in Harrington's article, and then I saw it in your outline. I was going to ask you like, what is like what could bleep bleep possibly? I spent I, like <laughs> I was trying to think of what combination of curse words. I know. Could, I, I was like, I, I put on an old duster like a detective. It had a magnifying glass, <laughs> and I was like looking at the dictionary or like the thesaurus of all the various types of cuss words because if it's motherfucker mother's not a cuss word so you you know you just put mother bleep and then we get it you know but that's what i'm saying like what's the so either he's like a real profane bastard or he literally calls basketballs bleep bleeps and either way i'm in i'm in for you know like i don't really care um i just i want to know more about this and if i was ever in a media room with them this would by far be the most important question asked so any journalists out there uh, let's get to the bottom of this. Yeah, someone please divulge what the bleep bleep means. Yeah. We need that. What does the bleep bleep mean? If you take anything, let's figure <laughs> that out. But let's let's move to our you know our corner pieces of the team. John Jaron, I think the big question this year is how are they going to mingle as a dynamic duo in this league? Point guard, big man. We've seen a lot of these combinations over the years, um, and some have worked out, some haven't. Certainly not a super common combination these days. You know, we see a lot of our superstars are kind of wing players. Uh, we don't see as much like Stockton Malone or Chris Paul, Blake Griffin anymore, but uh, but that's what we have. And so, what do you think? How do you think they're going to play together? Based on basically nothing. Based like, on not, never seeing them. <laughs> yeah, talk out of your ass about John Jaron right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I would. I have to assume that they are going to play well. Anything else would just be soul crushing, I yeah. guess. But they both have multiple skill sets. I think that's important. That uh, you know. Jaw's not known as a shooter, but that's something that he clearly wants to work on that he said, you know, several times. And if he develops that, he, he could be a very, you know, very dynamic player, very athletic can get to the rim, you know, leaper passer, not just a guy who's going to drive and kick. He can, he's probably going to actually be able to finish at the rim. I'm going to assume, you know, obviously NBA is different than college, but I'm going to assume that. And, you know, that's at least going to be his goal. And then Jaron can just do so many different things that, you know, I think that they'll be able to play with each other. And then also the guys that we have on our roster, I have like a bunch of them. We like guys like Dylan Brooks, Slow Mo, you know, and some of those other guys that we might be able to get involved that they're not going to be able, they're not going to be the folks creating their own shot, but they've never really had someone to be the beneficiary of someone else creating the shot. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like Mike, Mike and Mark, you know, they're awesome. They were very much focused on getting each other the ball, playing with each other more so, especially towards the end when really, I mean, let's be honest, those were the only two people that they could count on. They really couldn't count on anyone else, so I don't blame them at all. Mm. But that was just kind of like the unfortunate, you know, situation that we were in. So we didn't really get to see a whole lot of other guys get involved. So I, I – I'm going to have to assume they're going to be pretty exciting and interesting, especially like in kind of a let it fly offense. Yeah. It, and I think you're right. I think one thing that Mike and Mark weren't was neither of them were go-to guys prior to being Grizzlies. So, you know, Mike was on a Greg Oden Ohio state team where he was by far the second banana. Odin kind of ate up most of that offense. Uh, and then, you know, Mark never played in traditional college and was kind of always an outlier compared to his brother until he came of his own in the NBA by basically losing like 50 pounds. I mean, it was really just a weight thing. Um, 
So, but Ja, on the other hand, was the guy at Murray State for yeah. at least one year. Like when I said the guy, I mean is single-handedly carried a middling team to an NCAA tournament, uh, and and every single game they played, he was the guy you schemed for, and he still averaged like what twenty-six and ten assists or something. You know, some pretty preposterous numbers, despite the fact that the only thing you had to do to beat that team is stop John Morant. Yeah. Um, so that's good. You know, he's ready to kind of, I think, do that. Uh, you know, it's an NBA entirely different game than the, the competition he faced at Murray State. Uh, Jaron, on the other hand, not, not quite as much, was kind of the, uh, a backup guy with that Michigan yeah, State I don't know team. What, which, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. I think we established Izzo's got... I don't know. Like we'll we'll throw that year away for Izzo because I know he had. Was some he tanking other guys. so he could be number one this year? Yeah. What's his deal? I think that's how it works. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, so he, it's it's heavily uh, agreed that he probably misused Jaron during his tenure at Michigan State. But uh, regardless, they have they're good friends off the court. We can only anticipate them being good as a duo. Thirteen of the twenty Grizzlies roster members are new, uh, which is a wow. pretty insane stat. Yeah. Goodness. Um, so the vast majority of the roster is is a is a new player this year. Um, not just hasn't, not just where they were injured in the past and now they're finally getting to play. That literally they are new to the franchise. Thirteen of the twenty players. Uh, so we're, we'll go through you know a few of the guys that showed up in media day to talk to our boys uh, Mike Wallace and Chris Vernon and kind of a rotating cast characters there. Uh, the Grizzlies media. Um, uh, so I'll start kind of with the order that they appeared. We'll start with Matt Mooney the uh, guard out of Texas Tech um, who made a Final Four and championship game this past March Madness tournament. He was signed to an Exhibit 10, 10-day deal uh, sort of late in the process and played for the Hawks in Summer League. It's kind of a do-it-all, like nose to the grindstone, stereotypical white guy college guard. You know, all the, you know, imagine all the things you say about any kind of like white four-year works college hard. guard. Works hard, plays good defense, <laughs> comes from a good family invests in the right mutual funds, you know, things like that, things that you'd say. Uh, and he seemed like a nice kid, but really don't have much else to say about him other than he stopped by for, and said that he, his, his, uh, he will always remember the loss in the championship game more than he'll remember the Final Four appearance, which, you know, heart goes out for you, Matt Mooney, uh, as, as someone that's been through that. Not personally, but my team. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like it. Part of a city that's been through that, I think that counts. So shout out to Matt Moody. You know, we'll see. Exhibit 10 contract. Glad he's getting a shot in the league. Uh, And the next job, Morant just rolled into the frame and decided like he wasn't going to wait around. Um, And he is, uh, he's a character, man. Like, um, he's kind of right in the vein of of him and him and Jaron really get along in that regard. Um, He's got a real interesting accent, too. It's like a real southern draw. I think he's from Alabama Um, or South Carolina. I think it's South Carolina, actually. He's from the South, so he's got, like, a legit Southern draw, like a real, like, cool, unique accent, like, that you don't wouldn't hear a lot of in the league. Um, So he got a chance to actually speak more, you know, in person about the team. He said all the right things. You know, these kids are finished products now, man. Like, they literally are, like, it's like they've taken four years of broadcast journalism before they even get to the league. They know what to say. They know, all like, the buzzwords to say. So I don't really anticipate getting a lot of good stuff like you would in the past from these rookies. Um, but he did say, however, that he uh, he has a new daughter. Um, his entire family relocated here to Memphis. Uh, and he also said that he, during some pickup this summer, um, they asked if he dunked on anyone yet. And he said he dunked on one Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh, uh, pickup this summer. Uh, it was a lob play, and Jaron kind of half-heartedly went up to block it, which a Jaron half-hearted is still a pretty notable blocking threat. Uh, and, and he caught it with two hands and then jammed it with one, and everyone freaked out. Uh, so we got a nice little early 
dunk on Jaron by Ja, which is, is probably the most appropriate person he could have dunked on. Uh, overall, said all the all the right things. Um, do you have anything, any comment on Ja at this point? So would you would you classify him as a goofball? I, I've been using that term a lot lately, and I just he, need he's to know more, Jaron's more the goofball, I'd say. Okay. So, so he, Jaren's Jaw's, Jaw's like more like quiet, sarcastic, but like when they get together, mm. they 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 bring out the goofier nature of each other. Um, but he's not like Jaw's not going to be. He's not as goofy as Jaron for sure. But he's more secret goofy, if that makes sense. I'm okay. sure you all have friends like that. Yeah. Uh, either way, very marketable guy. You know, when you're looking at these things as businesses too. Yeah, you know, he it, he does. Last I checked, he does have the most uh, Instagram followers by a pretty pretty large stretch. Even more than Jaron, I think mm. he had is like twenty. He was over twenty five million Instagram followers. That was a job. Really, twenty five million? Yeah. Holy shit! I mean, that's good, right? I mean, that just that's straight up brand marketing for us. And yeah, twenty five million people that are going to tune in the Grizz otherwise may not have. Um, so that's that's uh, that's really cool. Next, Kyle Anderson, slow mo, uh, saunters into the frame and and sits down and. Has new tats, by the way. He's got oh. a uh, yeah. He's uh, he's tatted up. It's kind of his new thing. He said his new hobby is getting tattoos. Um, is he is he like trying to like fall in JJ Reddick or something like just no, a little bit every year? No, Stephen Adams type. So the JJ Reddick thing's funny to me because JJ Reddick got like a cross, like the shitty white guy cross tattoo, <laughs> and uh, then realized that it was it was that, and then decided to cover it up with gnarlier things. And so if you note, like the the centerpiece of his tattoo sleeve is that cross. Uh, and it's been kind of like like subtly covered up with other mm. like whatever you know I don't know whatever's in there but he'll tell you I mean, he'll he's a funny guy he'll like talk about that make fun of himself for that um, so no I, hopefully he doesn't go the JJ Reddick route and get like I don't know like a like a Jesus fish or whatever like just or like a, he, a stereotypical tattoo not not it's not about the religious thing it's the the stereotypical thing like the barbed wire or something like that barbed wire would be good yeah or you know hell he could bring that back that's kind of barbed wire's been dead for a while let's bring back barbed wire as a new metal. <laughs> that'd be awesome if he um, learns to shoot like jj i'd be straight with that but. yeah i don't care do your thing but has tattoos of his his two grandmothers uh who i believe he is a um mix so he's a white parent and a black parent so it was a a white grandmother and a black grandmother and the reason you could tell is because it was really really ornate kind of realistic tattoo i know you've seen those before um then he had his tattoo of like his buddy and from high school that got apparently shot and murdered um so he has kind of like i think three people that are important to him on his body now but it's notable because he has no other tattoos. Yeah. So it's like just one section of his forearm is is these grandmother portraits, and then on his leg is his friend. So it's kind of striking because it's not like a sleeve, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing physically you notice. Uh, he seemed healthy. I mean, he said that he's still working back, will not be ready for the beginning of training camp. He had this thoracic shoulder injury. They had to remove his top rib, which is pretty insane. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, so he's it's a pretty serious surgery, and it literally changed, quite literally changed his biological makeup. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, uh, still coming back from that. Apparently this injury's bothered him from the past two to three seasons. He said, he said it's been a deal where like, he's sort of pretending like it wasn't, you know, he didn't want to end up as the kid. They sort of gets exiled from the league. He essentially wanted to sign his next deal before he revealed it, uh, which he managed to do with us, um, which, you know, that's Man. smart, smart on his part. Can't blame him for that. Um, you got anything on slow-mo? Nah, not really. He he did mention that he had he wished that he had the surgery earlier, and he seemed kind of bummed. Yeah, just like the vibe that I got from, uh, you know, what I read and listened. He seemed a little bummed that he was kind of behind the eight ball, so he's gonna miss out on some of the fun of hanging out with all the other guys or like get, getting PT with them. Yeah, so I I kind of felt bad for him at that point. 
Yeah, I mean, all they can do is hopefully come back and have a longer career than shorten yeah. it by rushing back. But next up, uh, your boy Ivan Rapp, uh, who is now one of the longest tenured Grizzlies on this team. Mm. Um, in fact, Verno called him the elder statesman when he walked up. And Ivan was a good spirit. He's always one of the most likable guys that you see in media and just actually did a, a block party appearance, uh, one of the inner cities. However, there is just no way this guy is on the roster. <laughs> you know, I mean, as sad as it is to say. Yeah, the so, – the, the, I mean, women, you should speak more on this, right? Because this is like Sarah McLaughlin, and I will remember you plays in the background at this point for you. Women lie, men lie. But the numbers don't lie, and that's yeah. all that goes with. That's a Zachy White quote right there. <laughs> with <laughs> roster size, roster cuts, and uh, salary, so I think all those things are are working against him. And I, yeah, I'd have to agree. He's trying to earn them goodwill points, though, going to the block parties, trying to be cool at media day. He's doing all the right things, but uh, I, I don't think it can save him. I think it's too late. I think you're right. Uh, hopefully he finds a place with another team. I mean, a super likable guy and a professional in every single way. Uh, and so, you know, if if indeed he is cut from this roster, he will have nothing but fans from Memphis uh, going forward as the rest of his career progresses. Um, next, the MVP of the <laughs> Summer League, the MVP chance uh, uh, emanated from Chris Vernon and Mike Wallace as as goofy Brandon Clark walked up with a smile on his face. He's Canadian, by the way, so he has a very Canadian accent. He's just short of saying A after things, uh, but he does say a boot. Um, Ooh, so, that's good. You know, it's good. It's good. Uh, so we got a couple Canadians here on this roster. He uh, he is a really, really intelligent guy. Um, and I say that because he, like, not just necessarily in the way he spoke, but it was just a, a, a vocabulary thing, and it was his understanding of himself uh, and that his percep- the perception of him going going into the season in the NBA as uh, just an athlete. Um, and he said one thing he's particularly worked on is threes and dribbling. Uh, and he said the front office has told him they envision him as the kind of the modern-day four, uh, stretch four that's able to knock down threes and kind of roam around and wreak havoc, which tells me that they're probably looking for him to start besides Jaron eventually. Uh, mm, I think, yeah. you know, that he's the ultimate four to Jaron's five. And really neither of them are either stereotype, right? They're – they can play the perimeter. They can rim run. They can block shots. They can shoot threes. Like that's, but they have the size of the four or five. But they can come out, step out, guard all the pick and rolls. They can hang with any guard, any switches. So you know that's that's exactly kind of the modern style of basketball. While they still remain the size of a pretty traditional four and five. Um, so I really like to hear from him. Uh, he's he just is exactly the kind of player you want uh, in your locker room. Just uh, all of our guys seem like just really smart, driven young men. And um, when you put together like good employees, you have a, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to forget that that's what it is, but it really is like, mm, yeah. it's just, it's just the way it is. Like when you put together good employees that you end up with a good product and um, they all seem like they get it more so than the average 22 year olds. Um, what do you think about Brandon Clark from, from Gonzaga? Good. Good. Oh uh, yeah. You, yeah. You can't sneak that by me. Yeah. I don't try to sneak it. I'm just seeing if you know. No, I even knew uh, Matt Mooney. Now, I think there's probably several guys on the roster I don't know, some of the older guys. Mm. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, Solomon Hill. Oh, no, I'm skipping over Jaron. Oops. No, I can't skip over Jaron. Yeah. Get, you want to get to Jaron? What do you got on Jaron? The franchise. I did. called these days. I, I do know that. So he came out last, so they're already kind of given uh, a sneak peek that, like, the franchise is his. So we – we knew that 
some people wanted to ask, like, is it going to be Jaws or Jaren's? It's clearly Jaren's. Then um, Harrington speculates he'll probably be the last one to, you know, he'll get the last announcement when when the lineups are announced each game, as he should uh, set him up for success. We we got to be like, we got to make this guy feel so welcome so that he stays with us, honestly. Like, we just got to make him feel like Memphis loves him. It's his second home because, um, I mean, he he could play a really big role and he will play a real big role on, like, the state of the franchise going forward for hopefully a very long time. And he he's one of those – he's in that position that if he's a person that you upset, then, like, you're just upsetting the balance of any hard work that you've done, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This goes to call to all you Memphians. You know, if you see Jaron out – um, you know, buy, buy him some cheese fries and Hueys or uh, a healthier option, you know. They always were trying to pack the pounds on him. I'm just saying, you know, see this guy, treat him like Memphis royalty because he is just that. Uh, and, in fact, is the, the future of your franchise. Yeah, don't treat him like Brady White. He's no, not, your not, common, not your common University of Memphis quarterback. Mm. He's a franchise cornerstone of your professional basketball team. Yes, so treat him accordingly. Uh, he looks visibly bigger. Uh, the, the, one of the big – Storylines in the offseason is uh, one we're going to literally talk about to fucking death, as it already has been in the media and then on podcasts, is that Jaron Jane gained 20 pounds of muscle. Jaron grew an inch. He's now seven foot. And I don't know why I sounded like a Disney Cartoon, character, yeah. but uh, that's what you hear over and over and over. We'll say another observation that I had personally, new haircut. It's kind of mm. got a little fade going on. He's growing the hair out a little bit. Uh, looks, it's well, it's well tailored. It looks really good. Uh, I want to say that that kind of, to me says, uh, I'm a little more confident in myself and, and sort of my image in the NBA this year. I think it's, it's no accident that he had a short haircut last year, basically a, a buzz cut for the entire year, like the simplest possible haircut you could have. I think it was a sort of a, a, almost a rookie thing. Like, uh, I know my place in the league. I know that I'm not going to try to do anything outrageous or do anything crazy as a rookie. Like even my physical form right like i really think that his dad that's probably a suggestion from his dad or something like like just be minimize all distraction as a rookie just get out there and play basketball uh but now you know he's kind of coming of his own he's, he's growing his hair as, as he wanted it uh and this is entire speculation on my part but i just want to say it looks good um and shout out to jaron and his haircut um i think we'll talk about him kind of ad nauseum for the rest of the season he's clearly the franchise and uh it's exciting to see him going forward so moving on to Solomon Hill, uh, came over in the trade with Atlanta. When we dumped Chandler Parsons miraculously, who had his uh, media day today, and I watched one video of it, and it was him at the Hawks media day asking if he should cross his arms or leave them uncrossed to the guy taking his picture. And then I quickly exited that hmm. Instagram story and never looked again. So that's Seems- my Chandler Parsons check-in there. Seems like you got all the information that you need. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sleuthing uh, reporting. Yes. That's I'm out here getting the tough scoops, doing all the things that everyone else can't like click on Instagram stories. Um, Solomon Hill. We, we learned he has family here in North Memphis. He has an aunt and a grandmother, I believe. So pretty close family. Um, he was on Atlanta. So he watched Trey Young and John Collins, the modern comparison to Jaron and Ja, the big man point guard combo that has, the high ceiling of talent, and we'll see, you know, how they develop in tandem. Uh, so he said that he's seen kind of a similar thing with John Jaron, uh, but he said only in the sense that they both have both pairings have really high ceilings, and that they both play the same positions. That he didn't say that they necessarily played like each other, 
uh, but but did mention that. Uh, he also said that you know that positionless basketball is important at the crowded wing spot in the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, that that the the team has a lot of wings from two to the four that can essentially play all of those positions and guard all those positions. And it's going to be a situation where it may not be a pecking order; it'll be more of a you know a fit and who's healthy and who's playing well at the time. So it, it, we may not see a consistent lineup. I think we might see a pretty fluid lineup situation yeah. with 10 players going forward. And, and Coach Schengen said as much. So he'll all but confirm that. Um, do you have any thoughts on Hill? He, I saw a quote that he was interested in kind of being a mentor to all these young guys. He said uh, uh, Danny Green did that for him early on. And all really all the veterans that were there kind of said the right things. Obviously, so the one the one veteran that like would not say those type of things was obviously not there, and Andre Iguodala. But mm-hmm. uh, like he Crowder, they both seem like, and they also probably know they're not going to be here probably all season, so that probably helps. This is really just like a tryout till December January till they can get traded again. But you know they all seemed like they were fine, kind of being where they were. Yeah, which is I, which is good. Yeah, like um, they'll they, they, they'll bring a positive presence and enjoy their time here and be productive. Really, that's all that you can ask from those guys. Indeed, um, DeAnthony Melton, uh, another product out of the Suns that we obtain along with Josh Jackson, who of course is sitting this training camp out um, to play for the D League or G League affiliate of the Grizzlies and sort of figure out whether he can stay on the court and off the court a reasonable human being. So uh, that's kind of a, a good setup, and he's not around the team as a distraction. D'Anthony Melton, though, a lot of people think is kind of the prize of that trade, if there was to be one. Uh, and he's kind of just a uh, do-everything wing, athletic, long, what many hope he'll turn into a 3-and-D kind of Trevor Ariza type. Uh, and, 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 but he can also handle the ball better. You know, he's, he's kind of a point guard, too. It's, he's kind of a positionless, tall, lanky guy. Um, and so he's out four to eight weeks. Uh, has a back injury, didn't get surgery, merely rehab. So we're, we're, we've yet to see what he can do, but Chris Harrington's he's really high on him. Yeah, no, no further comments on him. So, Your honor. <laughs> um, so Bluff City Law coming on tonight. We'll be, of course, recapping. Speaking of Your Honor, we'll be recapping the episode later, probably us too as well. Uh, so look forward to, to that, uh, as well as other episodes and different topics in the Barnburner Podcast Network. We have your theater and college hoops our college basketball podcast, this backdoor cut, our NBA podcast, our in the can podcast covering films and TV, uh, along with our grit and gridiron podcast covering college football and maybe some NFL stuff in there if they get a little frisky. So we have a lot of stuff going on at the barn right now uh, to check out. We're excited to have you listen. Give us that review. Give us that five-star rating if you think it's worth five stars. And then leave us a review too because we definitely want to know what we could be doing better uh, if there's certain components you think we could improve. Jumping yeah. back into the Grizzlies roster, Jay Crowder came up. He thought I he did the same Solomon Hill things. He said a lot yeah. of like he's also on the for sure without a doubt at this point is on my dark alley team. Like he is <laughs> that guy is fucking huge dude. Like he like he walked up and sat down in the chair and like he was like he's a big dude like a scary scary man. So I, I would not. Who, who would you comp him with? Like. Anyone that we've uh, had recently, or anyone he's like can um, think. uh, Bloodsport. Like, oh, yeah, LeBron James Johnson. Yeah, LeBron James. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I forgot. <about> that. <laughs> Basically, the same player. 
he he is a uh, like three inches shorter than James Johnson, but he's like as thick mm-hmm. and just like one of those guys you can tell is just like kind of like would fight until he's just with nothing left sort of deal. Um, but he's like a he had to fight to make it in the league, you know, out of Marquette. Uh, he was a you know like a second round pick and you know fought fought his way to get those early Celtics teams. So I liked it. I liked him already, man. Like, and Grizzlies fans are gonna absolutely love this guy. He like complete throwback to the grit and grind era. Like, uh, it w- would have belonged on those teams. Now as a kind of a three corner three shooting specialist, so he's found his place kind of as a stretch four in the league. He compared this Grizzlies team to the 2017 Celtics, in fact, and said that this is a team that a lot of people thought were gonna be pretty bad, but that team scratched and clawed under the direction of you know first year coach Brad Stevens, first or second year coach Brad Stevens, and ended up making the playoffs that year. Uh, so he he compares this to have the ceiling that could do that if things came together kind of sooner than later. Um, so he but he did say he accepts his role as a veteran who wants to develop the young core. He mentioned that developing the young core that's a quote from him, um, which is all you want you know in in your in your vets on in the locker room. Uh, and both him and Solomon Hill seem like they'll be great great vet president uh, presences for our, our young guys. So that was great to hear from him and great to see. Yeah, I'm excited to. I'm 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 cool with Crowder being on the team. I like that, and I think that his salary's at about eight million, so it's a very tradable salary. And I for sure think some contender is going to want to snag him for some some wing depth as we get as we get closer to the playoffs. I mean, that just makes sense. So like getting him, great asset, great dude. Let's go. Yeah, agreed. Moving on to Yuta, uh, who I had dinner with. <laughs> In, uh, <laughs> in, uh, I was wondering if you were going to go there. Uh, of course. Um, yeah, so Yuda and I broke bread together in um, Suksui, South Pacific Rim, over on Poplar. Delicious sushi. Uh, we, we didn't actually eat together. We were in the same restaurant, though, at the same time-ish. Uh, he was leaving as I walked in, so I like to consider us dining partners. Uh, so, well, yeah, I think it's pretty fair. Uh, dude, super earnest guy. You know, and I think that's sort of his culture is to be like earnest at all times. You know, there's no sarcasm. There's no like, you know, like shitty buzzwords or whatever. He just says exactly how he feels. And that's kind of refreshing in a lot of modern sports or really just modern life. We'll say I really like to get snow cones with him. I just think he's like, would hmm. be really good, like wholesome activity to go get snow cones with you. Uh, and I hope he, I don't know what to expect from the rest of his career or, this year, but uh, but I will say that I like him. Would you go to Jerry's? Is that a silly question to ask, or is there? An, I don't. That's no, the only place. No, I'd probably go to. Yeah, if I was going to get a snow cone, I'd go to Jerry's. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to check. Um, but maybe in, wanted... I am interested to see with him. You know, big media frenzy because yeah, uh, first Japanese basketball player in the NBA last year. Um, yeah, but very marketable now. Yeah. Roy Hachimuri. Bleh. Hachimura. Rudy Hachimura. Yeah. He, you know, first round draft pick in the NBA now. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, will the same following be with Yuta or is it going to drop off dramatically because there's a new, new dog in town? Yeah. Hachimura just doesn't, he doesn't seem like super Japanese, man. I'm just going to say it. Like he, (laughs) he, 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 uh, I just don't think he captures the hearts and minds of the the Japanese culture like mm-hmm. like uh, Yuda does. Yuda seems like he, you know, is really Japanese. I don't really have anything to say more than that. 
Uh, hopefully, Hachimura doesn't listen to this and get offended. But I'm just saying, dude, you do not look like you necessarily hail from Japan. So I'm sure you have like sort of a mixed culture background. Nothing wrong with that. Perfectly okay. Just Great saying. Complexion. That, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. But just want to say that you know, Yuta's definitely. If you guys had a Japanese off, I'm to money all money on Yuta for sure. Like, mm, I don't know what fair. I don't want to. I don't even want to speculate the type of contest that would entail because I feel like that could also be offensive. So let's just move on to Jonas Valanciunas, uh, our main man of Lithuania, the uh, very popular East European country. Um, by popular, I mean I've never known anyone to ever go there, but it might be fun. It's probably cheap because I know those Eastern European countries, the uh, the Euro is much stronger there. Uh, he played for the European, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Lithuanian national team this summer in the uh, FIBA World Cup. Uh, he's a he walked up to let Yuta know that it was his turn, and he stood behind Yuta and massaged Yuta's shoulders while Yuta <laughs> awkwardly laughed for 27 <laughs> seconds, and it was everything I ever needed. Um, and that just really is good for both of them, honestly. Uh, you're, you know, we have a friend named David LaRue, and Jonas Valachunas is like the tall Eastern European version of him, I feel like. Uh, he, he was even like wow. aggressively massaging, and yeah, crazy comparison for the 10 people that may get that, but... That's just, I think it's accurate. So he walked up, he was doing his thing. He was, you know, he was, he was uh, saying why he wanted to be back was he just likes playing basketball. Uh, he, he wants to compete regardless of the team he's on, whether it's a rebuilding team, whether it's a playoff team. Uh, and he liked the coaching staff changes and just said, he's glad to be back. And he sounded pretty earnest when he said it. So uh, I was excited to see him. You got any thoughts on our man, JV? Nah, he, he's fun. I'm, mm-hmm. It's just going to be cool to have him around, bring a little, entertainment for those dull days and once we get to like march and things are dragging agree it'll be fun agree uh grayson allen showed up for a little bit um he mentioned that he had anger issues from fourth grade uh apparently like he got heckled really hard in fourth grade and has yet to overcome that so that might be cause for his tantrum outbursts in games i don't know uh but you know a lot of people think he has the highest ceiling of all these wing positions We'll see. Uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, if, as long as he plays super well, I don't care what it, how much of a jerk he is. Um, if he's our jerk, it doesn't matter. I honestly. agree with that. I, I agree with that. Uh, I think he might be a tougher sell in Memphis because of some of the socioeconomic situations. But we'll see. If he plays well, he plays well, and then people will love him. Yeah. Um, we noticed that uh, Guderick and Miles Plumlee are really hard to tell apart. They look exactly the same. Uh, basically, two white guys with with dark hair and beards um so and shooting sleeves on the same freaking arm yeah like they're like trying to do parent trap us yeah oh that's great yeah i admit the grizzlies definitely need to do a parent trap like in-game entertainment thing with them i don't know how they do i'm just saying they you heard it here and we're available for freelance consulting work um for your in-game entertainment but yeah, I don't know much about any of those guys. I know one of the Plumleys and this Guderick's is a sharpshooter from Europe somewhere. Uh, he's like the t- <laughs> he was introduced as uh, Mike Wallace introduced him as like a top thirty European player. Uh, what I that mean? That. I, don't, I was like, <laughs> uh, like uh, a home home improvement, Tim Allen. But like, I, I was like, okay, that means he's thirtieth. You know. Because yeah. like you don't say like you know what I mean like you don't he's not say, top ten he's not tenth yeah he's, he's, he's not twentieth he's, he's not twentieth because or top twenty five even because then you know he's twenty fifth maybe but yeah. uh, so so he's you know top thirty European players I don't know the other twenty nine 
uh, but uh, that's good news, I guess, for you for you fans out there keeping count of those those European coveted European basketball rankings. Uh, hopefully, you can shoot like we're told he can shoot. Then, lastly, our our boy Dilly Buckets showed up. Uh, he was kind of last, and he is another elder statesman. Has been around for three years now. Of course, last season was derailed with uh, some injuries. He's actually our best three point shooter on the roster right now, percentage wise. He shot thirty five percent so far in his career, which is is kind of concerning based on the way we're supposedly wanting to play. Uh, but, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see how his career moves on and if he's able to get his head on straight this season and, and kind of grow into a, a leader, early leadership role and secure one of those starting wing spots. I'd be really like to see that out of him uh, and, and be a good role model for these guys. Uh, any thoughts on Dilly Buckets? He did say that he compared John Morant to Derek Rose. Okay. So kind of a risky uh, comparison there though. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's, I'm an, I'm, I assume he only meant athleticism. Yeah, I assume he meant the quick twitch muscle athleticism, and not the. I'm going to run away knees. from my team. Yeah. And, yeah. Ooh, I <laughs> yeah. forgot about the dang knees. I don't know about uh, Jaws ACT scores or SAT scores either. So mm. you know, hopefully, hopefully it's a very limited comparison. We'll say a little sketchy because Jaw already had that knee scope, you know, as a 20 year old. So, you know, don't love that. Uh, and Dylan obviously didn't mean it in that way, but kind of just kind of gave me some. Uh, some shivers down my spine. Some, uh, yeah. Hopefully that's not like a, like foreshadowing. Like he knows something that we don't know. And that was his way to tell us. I hope that as well. Yeah. Don't have faith in this guy. He's got bad knees. Hopefully not. Like I don't think Dylan has the, uh, the foresight to, to be like some sort of soothsayer, like fortune teller. Uh, but you know, I could be wrong. Could be wrong. He's Canadian. Yeah. So I, I can't get a read on those guys. Yeah, no idea what their like high school education is up there. No, probably better than us. I bet he speaks French, but don't that know. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And that was the end of media day. It was an exciting day overall. It was good to see the guys back. It inevitably gets me going, ready for the season. It reminds me the basketball is indeed on the horizon, which uh, for any Memphian, any Memphian listening, they know that's kind of our, our big season. Uh, the city kind of comes alive for that when the FedEx Forum is popping uh, multiple times a day often with, with numerous teams mm-hmm. playing in it and a lot of buzz for both franchises, the Tigers, of course, being the other. Uh, so it's exciting time. Saw Ja was already at the, uh, over at the uh, Tiger basketball facility. Um, ja was hanging out with Penny and the team at practice. Um, so that was cool to see. He's already, like, kind of buying in uh, and, and hopefully hanging around the guys. And he's obviously recruiting for the Tigers as well. So, honestly, these, at this point, not having played a minute, these guys have my full heart, and hopefully they, they continue to foster and nurture my love for them. That's all we could ask for. Exactly. You got any other thoughts on the on the the, the Grizzlies before we kick off this season? No, nothing in particular. We got the I, the preseason game. I'm most looking forward to is uh, with New Zealand Breakers when RJ Hampton comes in Our town. Boy, RJ, yeah, it'll be a nice little Prob- matchup. Probably the only one that I'll actually pay attention to or I, watch the full thing. So I think I'll watch just to see Ja play, right? Like because we didn't see him in summer league. Yeah. So I, I, but then at the same time, it does it feel like you're kind of like uh, diluting your meal? You know, like, Doesn't it feel like you're eating too many appetizers when you watch preseason games? Like you're like, well, I don't want to get full for the real regular season, you know? Like, uh, but I don't know. I, I'm just ready for basketball to be back. Yeah, it'll be here quick, fast, and in a hurry, as they say. And we'll have you covered here at the Barn Burner. Uh, subscribe to the Barn Burner Podcast Network, like Sam mentioned before. Rate us, give us a review. Uh, find us the dash barnburner.com and on Twitter at backdoor cut show 
and at Barn Podcasts. Also, we're about to go catch some Bluff City Law. We're just supporting the city right and left. That's mm. what we do here at the barn. Can't be stopped. That's what the barn does. Uh, gonna watch this... it, and then we're gonna recap it, and we're gonna post it, and uh-huh. you're gonna listen to it. Yep, all those things in that order. This is the chief. That's Slim Zach. Uh, actually, no, that's Bro Zach. Sorry, Slim is not on this. Uh, we're about to sign off, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Barnburner Podcast Network. Yeah.